So as we transition here into worship through the word, I want to just make a quick comment um, that today we celebrate Pentecost too. It is 50 days after the, the, the Passover, and we're not going to count the days, but usually it ends in sometime mid-May, depending on what Passover is, you know, that changes. So we're celebrating that today as well. It's the 50th day. That's what Pentecost is. It's, it's also known as the Festival of Weeks. It is known by that because um, in the Jewish calendar, you count seven sevens. That is seven weeks. And on the 49th day, the next day, is where comes Pentecost. It is also, um, it is also observed the the beginning of the of the wheat harvest. And there's other other overtones that we're going to go into it. But so today we're going to be focusing on Pentecost. Today is when Pen- we're remembering and going back to what Pentecost is and was um, in the fir- not only the first century but way back into the Old Testament as well. So what we what we are going to be doing is that we're going to read the account in Acts. Uh, the 47 verses, and then we're just gonna f- we're gonna focus on the opening ones, one through 15, and then the last ones. We're not gonna go into Peter's sermon; it's gonna take us too much. And this will continue into next week, um, next Sunday, into what what does this all mean for us now? So let us let us open our Bibles. Let's go to Acts two, and let's let's begin our reading, reading of the Word. So Acts 2, I'm going to read 1 through 47, and I'm reading on the ESV, just FYI. Some, some things may be different, some of them may not. So, let's get into it. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance or languages. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They are full with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, Let this be known to you, and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose. 
since it is the on, only the third hour of the day. The third hour is 9 a.m. It's a little early. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be. God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Prophesy, And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit. And they shall prophesy. And, I'll show, and I will show wonders in the heavens above. And signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourself know, this Jesus... Delivered up according to the definite plan and for knowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. But God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, and I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades. Or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David. That he both died and was buried. And his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw, foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised him up. God raised up. And of that we all are, with, all are witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has put out His this that you yourself are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made Him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted 
themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul that many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let me quickly pray as we begin the teaching. Father, we, we receive this word, Father. It is your word of the fulfilling of the promises that you had made. That you were not just going to dwell among people, but dwell within people. Not just for us to have a relationship. That's a huge part of it. But it's not just... It's also active. It's for us to go and reach others with your message, with love, with kindness. Bringing those and mourning for, for those who are mourning. For carrying each other burdens. For caring for others. Sharing in your teaching and in bread and helping each other out. Father, that's, that, had to, that would needed a change of heart. A, a transformation that we're still going through. But it needed to, to be ignited by your power. And we are celebrating. And we're looking back to when it all began. That you are fulfilling your promise, and you fulfill your promise, and you continue to do so as you continue to transform our hearts. So as we go into here, in here, and, and and unpack this, Father, may you fill us with humility, humility, so we can surrender to you, and we can hear your word and let you transform our hearts. In your name, we pray. Amen. It's quite crazy, isn't it? This, what happened in Pentecost? It was. Unusual and 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 it, and it was just a little terrifying. At some point, this rushing wind and things trembling and 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 the noise and the sound and but everything was not new. This look, what he's doing here, what he's showing us, what, by, by describing the way he's describing these things, he's just not only reminding us. Yes, it's the fifth day after Passover. And there's the the the, um, the beginning of the of the wheat harvest, but he's doing more. He's doing a lot more. He's trying to bring memories back into into people's head. People that have, we that have studied the Old Testament that they 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 were part of their history. So we're gonna go into that uh, as we read the, the first verses, and then we jump. We're gonna jump into the last ones as I mentioned before. For starters, this the day, the day of Pentecost when it arrives, everyone is in one place, and he came this. And I'm going to read that again. And there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And tongues came up on fire on people and rested on each one of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other languages. Now all of this comes Pentecost it is a celebration of, of one of it's one of the three biggest festivals in Jewish history there's Passover that's 50 days before 
We have this one in between. And then we have the festival of tabernacles that's on the fall. So this one is very significant. Because its story, it origins not only in the law, in the in Leviticus and, and Exodus and how it all happened. But it's part of what, what God was doing for Israel. So if we remember Passover, it's a, it's, it comes at the end of the ten plagues that the Lord was using to free Israel from Egypt. So he's doing that. And they, they, they celebrate the Passover. And the next day they embark. They go into, they take that exodus. They go out of Egypt, freed by God. And then God dealt with the Egyptians. So from that point onward, when we read the story, that continues all the way to until they reach Mount Sinai. That trip... To reach Mount Sinai, they took, it took them around 46 days. Something like that. When they reach there, what happens is that the presence of the Lord in Exodus 19.18, Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it on fire. The whole point of freeing Israel is not only for they could be free from Egypt... Is that you are in a place without me. I'm going to bring you to a place that you are with me. He does not encourage them to build a tower like before. Like people did before. But he brings them to a place in where he comes down. And he comes down with fire. Smoke. And they have this whole experience. And, and, and many times in the, in the Old Testament we see that. God's presence is presented as fire. We see that in Moses when he is in front of the burning bush. It's a bush that does not is not consumed by the fire. Somehow it's just it's, it's on fire, and the Lord tells Moses, "You're in holy ground because you're in in my presence. You're in my presence." We see it later as a column of fire over the tabernacle. Once we once we pass Sinai, they build a tabernacle. The Heavenly presence comes down into a column of fire and rest on the tabernacle, meaning this is where I dwell. Later on, it happens on the tabernacle the same way. It is filled with the presence of the Lord full of fire and people cannot go in. But the whole point is that God takes them out and brings them to his presence. That's what's happening. That's what's, what's, what's going on in the Old Testament. And, and that's the purpose. Because not only for them just to something to embrace and keep for themselves. But what's, the purpose was always for them. That with His presence. As the presence leading them. Go to all the nations and reach them. So we have all these um, moments in which we see the presence of the Lord. Present itself in fire. So we go to, and so we are now in Mount Sinai. And in Mount Sinai, it just that's a depiction of it. We don't really know how it was, but you know, just bear with me. It comes down into the top of the mountain. And the plan always was for everyone, for all the Israelites to go up. We know that not only Moses went, uh, only Moses was the one going up, but the plan was always for all people to come to come to come up. The Lord wants a relationship not only with a representative, but with everyone, especially with the Israelites. And there's a reason why, which we're going to touch on a little bit later. But people were afraid. 
I mean, wouldn't you be? You're invited to come up a mountain that is surrounded by fire. We don't even want to turn the stuff too high sometimes. So, it is scary. People were scared. And they decided, like, no, you know, I just, just, you go up. Just Moses, go up. And the Lord's like, fine. Okay, Moses, you come up. People are afraid. We're going to concede to that. So what happens? He, he goes up the mountain. And on the mountain, what he receives is the Ten Commandments. That is the 50th day. We started a Passover. 49 days have passed. On the 50th day, Moses go up, and he receives the Ten Commandments. Now, what Luke is doing by using this language in Acts is bringing back to memory. All of this has happened. What does this mean is that when Moses received the Ten Commandments, it's like receiving the Constitution. What is going on is that God is creating a nation. Before, when they were in Egypt, they were slaves. That's what they were. They were oppressed. They needed freedom. They get their freedom. They go out. And God starts calling them a nation. My people. What do they need? They don't, they don't need the laws in sets of rules of do's and don'ts. They need a way of life. So when God gives the commandments, like a su- summary of what you guys should live like, that's what, what, that's what He's giving. He's giving them a way of life. So what Pentecost now means, in this case, that, that, that we are pairing them, putting them, contrasting them, putting them together and see all the connections, it celebrates God's descent on Mount Sinai. The people, are be, people, the people that are being freed, that have been freed, are becoming a new nation. And they're giving a way of life. This is the way you're supposed to live. Not only for themselves, again. It, there was, it was always the purpose of going out to the nations. And as, as I mentioned before, we'll get into that. But God's presence descends to be with the people. And in Pentecost, we take that a step forward. Because it, the Lord does not descend on a place, but it descends on each one of them, as we read. We read in Acts 2 that it, this, it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. The same way in which it rested on the mountain, top of the mountain, in which it rested on the tabernacle, rested on the temple. Now it rests on people. So pretty much, if going to Mount Sinai and the Israel is being there, is the creation of the nation of Israel, Pentecost is a recreation of God's people. And they're, giving, they're being given a new way of life. Empowered not by written commands on tablets, but written commands in our hearts. By His very presence. We'll keep going, so we'll keep digging into that. So in the next verses, and this is details that we get from Luke, and there's, there's a reason for that as well. Um, people who are here celebrating this festival are Jews. You know, it's like people celebrating July 4th. Who's going to celebrate that? And, 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 and we have that. It, it's, 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 it's okay, and, and it's only Jews being here. They have traveled from all over the world, and that's, that's what Luke um, does with the list that he presents it, uh, here. Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. 
And at this sound, at the rushing of the wind and the, everything that they're hearing, they come together. And they, are, they were bewildered. Because they were hearing them speaking in their own language. So, we're going to get into the languages thing. And they were amazed and astonished. Like, aren't these all Galileans? I hear them in my own language, in my native language. What's going on pretty much over there was, pretty, uh, like, like today... Um, if you go into trying to do businesses with different in different places, usually the language that is used is, is English. People use English as the that universal language. And but in this case, it's like I go to a different place and I start hearing them. They're speaking in English, but actually hearing I'm hearing Spanish, or I'm hearing any other language, uh, my native language. So this that's what's going on here. Parthians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia. All of these people, and we have a map there. We can jump to the map. All these people from all these places, they're coming down and they're meeting at one point. They're meeting in Jerusalem. Again, these are not people from different nations. They're Jews that were scattered out in the Old Testament. When the exile happened, people were taken to different places. And they were all over the place. What Luke is doing here, he's painting a picture of the unknown world. People from every place, from every nation, are coming. Jews and proselytes. Proselytes are people who are not Jews, Jews by origin, but they converted into Judaism. So they were celebrating all these things. So when the Spirit comes, this is interesting, because they hear the rushing wind, the mighty rushing wind, and the the multitude, they came together. The immediate reaction that the Spirit causes on people is a togetherness, is, is being coming together. It does not come to divide, but it unites. It brings people together. And this is so significant, because as I mentioned, the the Israelites, they were not known for their faithfulness of keeping, keeping the law, as we aren't either. We're not better than them. But they were not known for that. In the history of Israel, we can see that. We can see it all the way back in Genesis with the strife between Abraham and, and Sarah and Hagar. And then we see it with Isaac and his wife and his two kiddos. It comes all the way with Joseph and the tribes. And what do they do? Our beloved, their beloved brothers, they sell one of them. You know, just it's nice, not the nicest thing to do. God did make something out of that, as He always does. They were ostracizing themselves consistently, they were fighting against each other, they were not united at all. It comes to a point in which they are united, which is during the monarchy with King Saul, David, and Solomon, they come together. They are united. But again, they're all sent in different ways. How do you do that? How do you have a nation in, the, in different nations? How do you bring them back together? Somehow, the, these festivals were already in place. And God promised that He was going to bring His people back. And not only did He, um, he mention that in different prophets... He was going to do it in such way that when they came together, they were going to return just to take that message forward. But let's go into the prophets right now. And and then the Lord is going to 
somehow bring Israel from all the places. He will raise the signal, Isaiah 11, 12 through 13, for the nations, and will assemble the banished of Israel and gather the dispersed of Judah from four corners of the earth. The jealousy of Ephraim shall depart, and those who harass Judah shall be cut off. Ephraim shall not be jealous of Judah, and Judah shall not harass Ephraim. So they're not only going to come together, but their differences are going to be dealt with. You can't be together with someone who you're just having strife with. Jeremiah 31, 7, 8. For thus says the Lord, sing aloud with gladness of Jacob, and raise shouts for the chief of the nations. Proclaim, give praise, and say, O Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. Behold, I will bring them from the north country and gather them from the farthest parts of the earth. Among them, the blind and the lame, the pregnant women and she who is in labor. Together, a great company. They shall return here. Bear with me. We have, we have one more. Ezekiel 36, 24, and 27. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. And I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart. And a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. And give you a heart, and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And be careful to obey my rules. These statements by these prophets. Which Peter mentions that in the prophet Joel. It's a new reality. It's a recreation. It's a moment of recreation. God is doing that. God is recreating the world. And the point that of Him recreating Israel, excuse me, is that Israel was called to be the light to the nations. In Genesis, when God calls Abraham, He tells him that He will make out of Abraham a great nation. He will bless them. Make His name great. So that you will be a blessing. Again, it's not about who I am in relation just to the Lord, but who I become because I'm in relation to the Lord, to the people around us. The whole point was to redeem all humanity. The, the Lord, the way He's doing it, humanity went astray in the first 11 chapters in Genesis. He calls a man and He says, I'm going to fix all this problem through you and your descendants. But Israel did the same thing. They're part of the problem. So he first recreates Israel so he can send them. He does that. He restored this, his people. So on, on Pentecost, what we're celebrating, it's not only the descent of Mount Sinai, and it's not only the descent of these tongues of fire on people, but it is that Israel is becoming who they are supposed to become. The light to the nations. And the interesting thing is that it does not only stay with them. That mission goes to everyone else as well. Every person that is present, that is present receives the presence of the Lord. They become new temples. They become people that can take God's presence to other people who do not have it. And see God through them. They give them a new way of life. That it's completely countercultural, and it changed everything. Everything we knew, everything that everything that 
the world was doing, the ways in which the world was achieving things, was completely changed. How does this happen? God is fulfilling His promises. He's remaining true to what He said He was going to happen. How He was going through work through Israel to reveal, to bring people to Himself for them to be a blessing. Now, the way that happens, because, you know, then, then you're facing with the challenges. Okay, so we have all these people coming together from different places who, yes, they know, um, they may know a little bit of whatever they're speaking, probably Greek. But then they have to go back to all these nations that are, they belong to. They have to speak in different languages. In order to make everything crystal clear... People understood the message of Peter in their own language. So we do not know, we're not for sure if what's going on here is that the Holy Spirit enabled the apostles and people to speak in other languages, or that they were speaking English, but people were hearing Espanol. So we, we're not sure where it is, but the, what is happening is that the Lord is making crystal clear to everyone the message is. Just imagine, I, I, one of the places where this thing happens in a great, great scale is in the um, United Nations Assembly, right? They, people from all over, representatives from all over the world, which probably they know English, many of them, many of these, these positions required to know um, a language in which we can communicate with other places, depending on where you are. Nonetheless, in, in this gathering, there's always a room, cabins, that are all around them where there are interpreters. So they hear the message, they go through the process of interpretation, and then they can speak into the microphone, and then everyone else, uh, everyone else lis- listens in their own language through the headphones. So let's take that away, and that's what's happening in Pentecost. People are giving a message, and they, they don't need interpreters, they're just listening, they're just hearing things in their own language. There are other places in which the Bible talks about Tongues and, and having needing an interpreter because a lot of the people are not understanding. But this is not what is happening here. So over here, what is what God is doing is enabling the message to be understood clearly for everyone. And they are sent. With new power. With a new a new way of doing life. People receive this message from Peter. And he tells them all that he did and the promises have been fulfilled. And in the reaction of people, they ask Peter and the apostles in verse 37, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter says to them, Repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because it is a promise that is for you and your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Himself. Save yourself from this crooked generation. That word repent, it just means turn around. If you're going north, you repent, you go south. So you turn. And it's used as an analogy. Um, we read before that the Lord is going to show us the way we should walk in His statutes. It's not, be take, it's not to be taken literal, but it's 
way as a journey as, as as a way of doing life as as how how are we what what is empowering me or what is taking me to act the way I act there's different ways in which we can walk but the Lord is here, here saying you have this way of, of doing things this way of walking come back from that because our ways they lead to death just ask Adam and Eve and everyone else our ways don't lead to life and may, we may not die at the moment. Some decisions may be as drastic as, as we people lose their lives. But that does not mean that we're not bringing death into our lives. Into our relationships. Into our places of work. Into the places we go to. And the Lord is saying, you can repent, turn away... And instead of being this source who brings death and chaos into different areas, it can be completely the opposite. But it starts with acknowledging, acknowledging that what I am doing is not okay. That I need to change my ways. And that has to follow with believing in Jesus, that He dealt with them. He dealt with my ways. Our ways, the ways that we were doing things, brought death, and they were Jesus carried up, carried with them. We were, they were put upon him, and it brought death, brought him death. We killed the Son of God. Whenever we sin, whenever we we miss that mark, that's what we bring in. But that's the hope with Jesus. He defeated death. He was raised to life. And that's what we're celebrating. We're celebrating 50 days of that. 50 days that Jesus gave his life so that we can have life. And that's the thing. He does not only give us the thing and, you know, kind of like going, um, taking the, the, the driver's test. We, we not only are pass the driver's test, okay, fine, you go. No, he stays with us. Always. That's, that's the whole point of Pentecost. Is that I was with you. I, I, in, in, it's like, as a human. But now this other person, which is also me, but not me, is coming to rest in you. It's coming to empower you. So you can live a life that leads to life. To death. How does this new life look like? The good thing about this new life is that it not only ends on the end of our life, but it's, it transcends that. It goes into new creation. And that's hopeful. That is very hopeful. This is not the end. The, way, the same way in which Lord is, has recreated Israel, He is recreating the world, and we are called to be part of it. And we will inherit that when He does that universally. So, how do we start living this life in the present? Acts, at the end, it gives us a little glimpse of what this is. That does not mean it doesn't come with its troubles and challenges and struggles. But it gives us a glimpse of how the rest of the book of Acts is going to show us this. And then also the New Testament. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. We continue to do that. 
this, what we're doing today, this Sunday and every Sunday, it's a continuation of what started in Pentecost. To the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Not only because of the miraculous things or supernatural things that happened. It's because the culture itself was being transformed. Things were different. Violence was not the Violence which was the Roman way is no longer the way. It's a different way. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. All the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Holy Spirit descends on people so we can become one. That's one of the biggest challenges that Christianity has. We come from a split. Evangelical, speaking in, in the broader sense all the way back into the Reformation. And then he kept splitting and splitting and splitting. And I had like a bunch of denominations. It's one of the hardest things to remain together. Because it takes work. It takes a lot of effort. It takes communication. It takes awkward moments of confession, of acknowledging. But the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us, who changes, transforms our hearts so we can walk in those ways. So we can share burdens and blessings and belongings so that we can sit at the same table, regardless of where we're from, who we have been, just who we are now. This is the means through which God is establishing, bringing a little bit of heaven into earth. And He does it in the most humanly way possible by sending His new humans to the world. The rest of the New Testament, it is just about the challenges and the struggles, as I said, that the disciples encountered. People were doing this, that there were strifes here, that they were doing different teachings. And how do you bring together? Some are Jews, some are not, some observe Saturdays, some others don't. They eat this, they eat the other. It's all about coming together and all, all that messiness that brings. But there are those all those little things, that's what they are. They're small, they're tiny compared to what the Lord is doing and his power. We are not left alone. These things, we will encounter these things. We have encountered them among ourselves. We're going to encounter them in our families, in our marriages, in our, with our kiddos, with our friends, with our co-workers, everywhere. But as the pastor says, right? They received, oh, and all who believe were together and had all things in common. And they praised God and having favor with all the people. Paul says later on, if it depends on us, let's have peace. We're not alone in doing this. We have been empowered by that same very presence that, that was on Mount Sinai, that filled the tabernacle. And way back, that created the world, that wind that created and separated the waters. That is the power that is with us. And little things 
that we make big things, some of them are really huge things. Let's face it. And they're hard. But we are not handicapped. We have the power of the Spirit in us, reminding us, encouraging us, that coming together is the way of life. Is the way we bring life into the places that we're in. Let's surrender to the Holy Spirit as we go forward here. Let us submit to Him and let Him to so let Him guide us as we are the new people of God. As we were celebrating in Pentecost. The new people of God. We are the new people of God. Let's bring newness and life into the different places we belong to. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you because in, you had to deal with all our mess, all our divisions, all our definitions of what we think is right and what we think is wrong. And, and it took for you to be present, not only with us, but within us, for, we to, for us to realize where we were at and how we were bringing chaos and death into our relationships, into this world, into, every, into your creation. We were not only affecting other people, but we were affecting the world itself. But, the, but Lord, you have put that power, that life-giving power in us to transform our hearts, to bring us life, not only to keep it to ourselves, but to join you in the mission of reaching the world with your message. To reaching the world, telling the story of what you have done. So as we celebrate Pentecost here today, Lord, and we remember what it is, what it meant, let us come to our knees and surrender our lives to you. So you take control of them and we follow along. In your name we pray. Amen.